0: Some of you may know uh, the story of Marilyn and I's meeting. Um, I had started to think about global mission when my youth group began to do mission trips down to Mexico, and while I was at uh, college studying Christian education, I discovered that our church at the time, uh, was the larger church, was going to be sending a layperson to do Christian education to the island of Madagascar. So I was very interested in that. I was getting my major in Christian education, so I thought I'd be a good candidate. And I, even in my cultural anthropology class at the time, I convinced them instead of writing one 10-page paper on different countries, I would write one 30-page paper on Madagascar. And I began to dream and think about what it might be like to go and serve there at a two-year stipend doing Christian education. Naturally, the larger church decided that instead they would send a pastor And so I was disappointed. I took a job at Augsburg Publishing House in L.A. where I ran the audiovisual department. And after a few months, uh, the parish education person came kind of excitedly up to my desk and said, hey, Marilyn, who's working in my office, grew up on the island of Madagascar. To which I jumped up, walked into her office and said, hey, we need to get together. I need to hear about Madagascar. And that was sort of the beginning of our relationship. It turns out not a lot of males uh, in the United States had a great interest in Madagascar.
1: <laughs>
0: and the truth of the matter is is we in our lives have been uh, uh, very much a part of Global Mission ever since. Our understanding of the role of the church and of Christians as a global reality with a global witness has been a part of our heart and souls now for a very long time, and I am grateful that that's only been enriched because of our our walk together. Hear this video and think about its words. Marilyn's dad, before he decided to go in the mission field, was a concert pianist. Could have easily had a career doing that, but gave his life in ministry and mission largely to the island of Madagascar. When he arrived there in the 40s, most of the music sung by the churches was music that had been brought to them, largely by the Norwegian missionaries. And so they would take that Norwegian words and translate it into Malagasy and very often leave it in the tunes that had been, you know, from, from Norway or from the United States. But in his last call, Marilyn's dad was able to, with the support of his sponsoring church in Emmanuel Lutheran in North Hollywood, California, build a radio station that got antenna all the way from Ethiopia. And his job then that he dearly loved. He would go out among the churches and he would record the music, especially the the Christian worship music that the Malagasy people were singing in their own language to their own music. And he would record that and then begin to to broadcast that across the island, which did a massive job of of elevating the the native music of their own as part of their ability to worship. Very often we are, are centered on our own selves and our own experience, especially at the first service. It was really interesting to to take these soaring harmonies of uh, of this last song we sang. Point of Grace was here just a few weeks ago up at uh, uh, Mount Hermon, and we were able to go to their concert and be reminded we've we've loved their music for a long time, especially. Uh, that song, and the the idea of the soaring harmonies communicating the idea that we bring this peace and love of Christ to all the world. Again, a fairly contemporary sounding song at our traditional service this morning, maybe something you're a little bit more familiar with at the contemporary service, but the reality is often we think that we come from the center place. And whatever our language, whatever our custom, whatever our expression of faith is what ought to be shared before we even know to whom we're speaking and from where they come. And so this the act of, of listening, the act of, of seeing others as, as children loved and created by God so that we can begin to, to speak the word of hope in a way and give an example that they can comprehend and understand is a part of this thing that God desires in bringing hope to the world. As you read through the scriptures, you see uh, that the, the the peoples of the world are divided. They're divided between Jews and Gentiles. And what that really means is Jews and everybody else. All the rest of the world gets thrown into the one box, Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, then You're a Gentile. And the thing that we sometimes forget is that we too often see those differences in each other. We too often also put people in boxes. Iraqis, Russians, people of color, people of a different language. And we, of course, living here in the Silicon Valley, are surrounded by all kinds of nationalities of people all of whom are created and loved by God. And so when we ask questions then of how do we how do we see people as Jesus does? How do we have a God view of people? One of the things that I want to acknowledge is that we often think of ourselves as Christians as chosen people. Of course, we borrow that from the Old Testament, where the people of Israel were the chosen people, and now we figure we've been adopted in. And that's an accurate depiction. But what we sometimes forget, as the people we see in the Old Testament often forgot, is God's intention for choosing a people. And so we look at Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The whole reason... For God choosing Abram and the people of Israel and us as the people of God in Christ is so that we can be blessed to be a blessing to others. That needs to be the mindset that the Holy Spirit works in our hearts when we see people that are different from us. You know, I think we're evolved enough today that just difference in terms of light skin or dark skin may not automatically trigger something, but we make judgments about intellect and we make judgments about morals and we we make judgments about language. I can't tell you how many people I've heard throughout the years that expect everybody to speak English, and of course, they don't. And they may even be trying, but English is a really hard language. But the point is, is we often do this judgment thing of of separating, of putting people in boxes, of excusing ourselves from needing to look at them or talk to them or see them. From the people sitting in the center of the uh, island on the street with signs up to the people living next door or working with us, we have the same tendency as some of the people of the Old Testament, some of the Jews of the Old Testament, of having this air of superiority. And we are not. We simply are not. And our theology as as Christians teaches us this, but we just keep messing it up. The, The scripture teaches All have sinned, and by the way, in the Greek that means all, everybody, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's us, right? Can I get an amen to that? Okay, so then here's the problem. If we're all sinners, then we're not superior to anyone. Now people say, no, 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 Pastor, you forgot. I'm forgiven in Jesus. Yes, you are. And God's intent is through that to extend that same hope, that same love to everyone else who's in the same boat as you were in. And so we have no theological right to claim any level of superiority from those who are different from us. Now, you know, you need to kind of push this. You know, we're talking about the Russians and the Iraqis. We're talking about the people in jail and the people addicted. We're talking about people whose morals are far from morals we would ever see as acceptable. We're talking about people that typically we say, you know, it'd be a good idea to stay away from them. And quite frankly, there are dangerous, immoral people in the world. And here's the truth. Jesus died for them. He not only loves you, but he loves them, and he loves and gifts you so that you can talk to them and be friends with them and share your love with them so that they too might be God's redeemed, forgiven people. This same promise that God made to Abraham, he extends to his descendants In chapter 22, he says, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars in the heavens and the sand that are on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The idea isn't that we take on their morals. The idea isn't that we live their lifestyle. The idea is that we live the lifestyle that Christ called us to, which includes the respect and love for those who differ from us. Then we hear this in our Old Testament lesson for today. On this mountain, the Lord, and oh, by the way, I had to go back because when, when uh, Beth or I prepare the text and cut and paste them from our Bible software into our projection software, one of the things that happens often is the word Lord ends up dropping the capitals. So it becomes capital L, lowercase o-r-d, rather than capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And why is that important? It's important because the Lord we're talking about here is Yahweh the personal God who made a covenant with Abraham and who revealed himself to Moses and blessed them so that they would be a blessing to the world. It was that one God, not some generic God, but that one God who tells us here that he will prepare a feast of rich food for all people. He goes on to say a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wine. This elevation of all people to this place of abundance and celebration and God's provision is the the beauty, the ideal that God, even in the Old Testament, points his people to and works to fulfill it in the new. And then Jesus says in our gospel lesson today, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, you are witness of these things. Again, here's the problem. Sometimes we're good at remembering that we're forgiving people. And sometimes the forgiveness that we've seen has actually, maybe even in some dramatic ways, elevated our morals So that we live better lives. You might even say good lives if you wanted to stretch the truth a bit. And we have that sense of having now being in the embrace of God. Forgiven and restored and therefore they are not. Those people are not where we are because God has made us his chosen people. And again, that's where we mess our theology up. God isn't saying sin doesn't matter. He's saying you're all sinners. You're all in the same boat. The gift we bring as God's people to the world is this. Repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached to all nations. That the hope of forgiveness, that the love of God is not based in our goodness but in his goodness and therefore is to be proclaimed to all the world. So what does God need to do in us? He needs to take away our judgment. He needs to convict us of the sin in our lives of looking down on people that are different, people that are poorer, people that are... Speaking speaking a different language. People that are involved in different political parties than
1: us.
0: (gasps) We need to understand that God's plan from the beginning after the fall has been a plan of restoration where he takes broken, sinful people and calls them to be his so that through them he can show the whole world that they too can be heirs. We've got to be able to look past ourselves from the, the self-centered worldview that is ours to recognize that we're called to something greater. Matter of fact, we recognize that that was the intention of God when he sent Jesus for God so loved the world that whoever would believe in him shall be forgiven and given eternal life God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him I dare you to let God move you today and I ask you to watch this and listen
1: To the planet. Welcome to existence.
0: Marilyn and I had the opportunity, after we were married and in ministry for a while, to go back to the island of Madagascar. One of the things we discovered at this church in the capital city of Madagascar, which, by the way, at the time was the largest Lutheran church in the southern hemisphere, reaching between 15 and 20,000 people on a weekend for worship. Uh, they had 700 homeless families, and at the time, homeless children in uh, that in Madagascar were only able to go back into the public school if they could test in at grade level, which was almost never. And so this church and the pastor's wife, Ernestine, and some of the the wives and moms in the homeless community built a little shack in the corner of their property. And they had 40 students that we walked into that classroom to be greeted by that day. They were tutoring them back up so that they could test back in to uh, the public school system and have a second chance at life. Over the course of time, they built a second classroom and elevated it to 80 students. And then they built a four-story building with parking on the bottom with a cafeteria, two uh, uh, floors of students for 120 students, and the top floor was a computer lab for the parents so that they could get back into the job force so that they could support their families. One of our students at our church at the time did a confirmation project making ice cream sandwiches and selling them to the people of church because she wanted to buy computers for that top floor so that those families could uh, have some hope. And so she raised money and she sent the money to Madagascar. And a few uh, uh, months later, we got a call back saying, we have fully equipped our computer lab for our adults, and there's a little money left, and they want to know if it's okay if they use the the $99 that's left to buy a bike for a church that's on the outskirts of the city that's in our Senate. And we said, well, we'll have to ask our Comfort Man. So we called her up and we asked her if it was okay for the little extra money that was left over from her project to be used that way, and she said yes. A few years later, several years later, Uh, Marilyn and I had the opportunity to go with LCMC as they were uh, creating a relationship with that synod. And they toured us all around and showed us various elements of their church and their synod in the capital city. And they ended up taking us to a church that was celebrating an anniversary. So we're sitting in the front row, uh, not directly in front of the speaker, so like over here. And we have Malagasy people whispering in our ears because we don't have a clue what's being said from the front, and they're reading the history of this church as they're celebrating their anniversary. And they come to that place where the church in a couple of years doubled in size, which they attributed to the pastor being a given a bike by some church in Arizona. They didn't know we were there, they didn't know that was our church, they didn't know that it was our conferman. And they didn't know that the money that they got to build the bike was just some leftovers from another gift to do something else. If you don't think we can make a difference in the world, you're not paying attention. It's an incredible experience to be a part of the church of Christ in the world. It's an incredible privilege to be called to be his witness here and everywhere we might reach that God calls us. I dare you to let God move you into the lives of people that are different from you. I dare you to let him see them through his eyes so that you can love them who and where they are and offer the same hope of the gospel that he's offered to you. Christ came for the whole world, and we have an incredible opportunity to remember who we are, the church of Jesus Christ in the world. Let's dare to move. Amen.